0: On the home front, many schools are reopening around the country despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Yet other schools remain closed, opting for online distance learning. And in many states, businesses are still unable to operate at full capacity. Are these continued lockdowns necessary? Well, joining us is author and researcher Michael Beatrice. His latest book is COVID-19 Lockdowns on Trial. Okay, Michael, COVID-19 lockdowns, they've cost the world trillions of dollars. And here in the United States, many schools remain closed. So, based on your research, are those lockdowns necessary at this point?
1: No. At this point, it's it's a disproportionate response. I, I think when we first locked down, there was an expectation that we might be at uh, at risk of up that two point two million deaths and and an overflow of capacity in ICUs of a tenfold. Uh, shortfall in a worst case and a threefold shortfall best case. That did not prove to be the case even by April. And so what we've done is sort of move the goalposts to something that's really not even practical at this point for us to um, use as a, as a measuring stick for us to reopen. And, and yet uh, we're, we're barely at an epidemic level now. If you look at actual COVID-19 deaths, not, not counting the backdated ones that get included in daily totals, we're probably at about 5% of total deaths per day. That's barely even an epidemic level. So it's not that COVID-19 isn't real. It's what is the proportionate response to the schools closing, businesses, deaths of despair, 40 million people unemployed. It's, it's, it's a disproportionate response at this stage.
0: Well, let, let's explore that a little bit. Now, I know when the lockdowns first began, just about everything shut down at the beginning of spring, I think it was, in mid-March. We were told the lockdowns would last only several weeks until we flattened that curve. So what happened? Why have these shutdowns continued
1: more than five months now? Boy, if you could answer that. So one of the things is polling. That's That was the connection that I drew. So you've got a lot of media attention that's hyped up on cases, uh, which at this point we're, we're at around 6 million. But based on random samplings that have happened, we probably have 75 to 100 million people in America that have been infected. So you've got this poll. Uh, sort of panic in the in the populace and I see it I see it with all over the place, not just Texas, but when I tra- I've traveled this summer and and so the polling says we're not ready, we should be locked down. there's great fear. And I think that the politicians are buckling a little bit to to those polls but um, none of it makes sense. The other challenge that I really see getting through this is going to be around liability. I think that universities K through uh, 12 schools, there's a bit of fear around what happens if somebody gets sick, even if there's an outlier case. And so until those institutions and even and businesses, too, get indemnified, I think it's going to be a long, long rest of 2020. Here in the United
0: States, we now have more than 180,000. Just how accurate are those numbers? It seems like the death rate is declining drastically. You'd mentioned uh, down to 5 percent. It was 84 percent, I guess, on March 13th. Uh, but the risk now 5%. So some people would argue
1: that's because of the lockdowns. So that's a great question, and I'm so glad you asked. So 180,000, we're actually up higher than that in all-cause mortality during this time. So the CDC has conceded uh, that, that deaths are overstated. Based on calculations I run and things that I piece together from the CDC, it appears that we're probably at about 100,000 actual COVID-19 caused deaths. So we're up about almost 200,000 at all cause. So the difference in that 100,000 of extra deaths, you, you really classify those as lockdown deaths. How about masks?
0: There's a lawsuit in Illinois right now because some schools there have reopened without requiring students to wear masks. Joe Biden wants to uh, have everyone wear masks. He wants to make that mandatory. So what have you found in your research about the effectiveness of masks in preventing the
1: spread of COVID-19? Prior to COVID-19, there really was no medical data that supported or journal analysis that, su- that supported um, face coverings or or non-N95 respirator masks as effective at blocking airborne particles, uh, aerosols, uh, pathogens for a virus. So. What you saw coming into, in February, our Surgeon General said, don't don't do masks, it's not necessary. Dr. Fauci was um, sort of, hey, if you want to, go ahead, but it's not necessary. And then we sort of shifted into that. And to give you a couple data points, an N95 is is, uh, 97% effective at blocking pathogens. A surgical mask tied, not looped, tied is 68%. If it's got loops, it's only 38%. And typical face coverings that you see people wearing is only effective in the teens. So it might be better than nothing, but it certainly is not effective. And, and the validation of that is if you look at Hawaii has been very, very disciplined in mandating that. And um, months after that, they had, uh, they've had sort of a, a, a per capita explosion of cases. You've seen this in Japan, in the Philippines, Los Angeles started right around June 1st having a mask order and in July they ended up having a big surge in cases and so that it's okay to wear them I think there's a psychological benefit to it but as far as mandating it and expecting that to be a uh, slowdown or blockage of it is it's it it just hasn't the data hasn't supported it
0: okay we'll see where all of this is heading Michael Beatrice researcher and author of the book COVID-19 lockdowns on trial You've given us a lot of food for thought. Thank you for your time and insights today. Thank you so much.